I want to say fear. I think fear was probably the, the biggest one, fear of change. And then also just uh, I didn't feel like I deserved it. And I think that's part of the fear of change. But I just didn't think like, like I thought I was supposed to die. Like that was my end mindset. And that's why every time I, I did heroin, like I was hoping it would take me out. But I always got brought back from an overdose. So <laughs> higher power. That was Ian Romans. And this is the Share Podcast. It's time for the Share Recovery Podcast, where we bring you amazing life-changing success stories from addicts and alcoholics all over the world who share their inspiring journey in recovery. And now, here's your host, Oh. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Share Podcast. And today, we have Ian Romans joining us on the show. Ian is just this breath of fresh air. He comes from the same school of recovery that I came from. Definitely some tough love, but the important word to remember here to reflect on or to focus on is love. Ian got clean and sober in Narcotics Anonymous, and when we dove into his step work, it paralleled so much of mine that it allowed me to connect with Ian on an even deeper level than I would have imagined. He's from California. I'm from California. And his passion for recovery reminds me so much of me when I was two years clean and sober. But his rock bottom journey, there's no way I can compare it to mine. Ian's story is riveting and heartbreaking and heartwarming all at the same time. He's just your average guy next door with an unbelievable story that I know is going to impact so many of our listeners. And if you're sitting here listening to this intro and asking yourself, what the hell happened to O's voice? Well, for those of you that don't know, I just got back from Tony Robbins' Unleash the Power Within. And if you've never been to one of those Tony Robbins events, that's exactly what you do. You unleash the power within and lose your voice at the same time. I will say this, that if you have not attended a UPW, it's single-handedly the most impactful event I have ever participated in. I promise you it will change your life and you will never be the same again. Everyone should attend a Tony Robbins convention and unleash the power within at least once in their lives. This is definitely my first, but it will not be my last. So let's dive into Ian's story. But first, a quick message from our sponsors. Let me ask you this. Are you tired of people pleasing? Are you a recovering perfectionist? Do you find that you're angry? all the time. Irritable, restless, and discontent. Are you trapped in the cycle of self-sabotage and find that you're soothing yourself with drugs, alcohol, relationships, sex, food, workaholism, or social media? Then it's time to schedule a free consultation with me today. What if I told you that in just eight short weeks, you could reset your entire emotional state, be able to set healthy boundaries, Let go of perfectionism and finally get the relief you've always needed to be able to take a breath. (sighs) And in that breath comes happiness, fulfillment, and joy. My name is Omar Pinto. I'm an NLP life coach as well as an addiction recovery specialist. And I can help you discover what's holding you back from living the life you were always intended to live. So go to www.omarpinto.com and schedule free consultation with me today. Today's episode is also brought to you by the SRC, the Share Recovery Community. The SRC 
is a private membership community that offers live online meetings as well as peer-to-peer recovery, sobriety support, and accountability. The biggest challenge for addicts and alcoholics is to connect with the tribe and to find the pathway that works for them. In the SRC, we meet you where you are at in your journey of recovery. Where are you at now? Where would you like to go? And how can we help you? The value of the SRC and these live online meetings is an opportunity to develop beautiful friendships with people all over the world. But more importantly, to get the support that you need to get sober and stay sober. So whether you're looking to enhance your current recovery program or find your sobriety tribe, this is the fellowship for you. And to join the SRC, it's only $1 for the first month. And then after that, it's only $12 a month. It's the best investment you can make in your recovery. So to join the SRC, go to www.thesharepodcast.com. Go to the top of the navigation bar and click on the button that says Share Recovery Community. And join the Share Recovery Community for only $1 today. And if you haven't done so already, don't forget to leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It's one of the best ways to show your support for the podcast. Are you looking for a new recovery-related podcast to add to your playlist? Then I have great news for you. The SRC has recently launched its first podcast titled The Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In the SRC, the Share Recovery Community, we have some amazing online meetings every single day. And one of those is our Tao Recovery Meeting. In this meeting, one chapter of the Tao Te Ching is discussed every week as to how it relates to recovery. The content is so good, we decided to share this meeting as a podcast. So go to your favorite podcast app and search for the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast to check this podcast out today. Hey, Ian, thanks for joining us. Hey, oh, thanks for having me. Dude, I am pumped to have you on the show today. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good, man. Uh, a little excited and a little nervous at the same time, you know? <laughs> it's good. You could be both. It's all good. Yeah. He's <laughs> got the Lakers jersey on. He's ready. Yeah. All right. Okay, yeah. Awesome. So you're from California then? Yes, sir. LA? Um, Riverside, California. Riverside. Okay. About an hour and a half away. Okay. No, I'm originally from uh, from Pasadena, so... LA, so love it, love it. I love LA, I love California. <laughs> yeah. I miss it, I miss it. All right, so folks, today we have Ian Romans joining us on the Share Podcast. Ian is an avid listener of the Share Podcast. He's recently celebrated two years clean. He wanted an opportunity to share his, his experience, strength, and hope with us. He's also good friends with one of our previous guests, episode number 154, Daniel Heron, titled Addiction to the Underworld. Sound about right, Ian? Sounds good. All right, buddy. All right, let's dive right in. So before we dive into your story, tell us about what your normal daily routine looks like, including recovery. Um, so first thing I like to do is um, I, I kind of just sit in bed and, and say my morning prayers. Um, just kind of thankful that I, I get to wake up. You know, um, I've lost quite a few people, so I just I kind of try to just remember to be grateful that I got to open my eyes in the morning, you know. Um, and the next step is... Uh, I think I think Daniel did say it was about making your bed. You know, if I can't handle that little task of making my bed, like how am I going to be ready for the the bigger tasks that come at hand? You know, um, 
and then usually it's it's um getting the coffee ready um and just kind of relaxing and um prioritizing what i'm about to do for the day and what's your recovery routine look like um so as of lately i just started a new job so i've had to re redo my schedule so to say um but i do i do find my my morning i do find a um a time i have a group text with a lot of guys in recovery and we'll send each other the morning meditations and and um i'll kind of just study that um i try to hit three meetings a week um and i try to put a set aside a time about once a week to um dive into my 12 steps um and to work on those um but i do have a home group that i do attend and that i'm of service to and um as if i i also do work in recovery so i uh I get a little taste of that throughout the week, you know. No, oh, you're busy, dude. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a lot. It's a lot, you know. I would I would not minimize this at all. I love the group text. Uh I'm part of one of those one of those WhatsApp sort of recovery group chats. Sometimes it gets out of control cuz there's like five of us in there. Yeah. And it's like there's just way too much shit going on in there, you know. Yeah. Um but guess what? We're always connected. Like we're always connected and even when i get the little just a little message i know something's going on in there reminds me that i'm connected to something greater than i am that group is something that's that's bigger than me um and it's the same thing that happens being connected in share in the big group when i go to my local meetings um and that's where the that's where the magic happens the ma- the magic happens with human connection that's the most important facet of recovery. So yeah, I was listening to that and I go, yeah, there's probably a lot of, you know, recovery chats nowadays. Technology's made it possible for us to be connected pretty much, you know, 24/7. I love it. I love it. All right, so then tell us a little bit about how you maintain your spiritual condition that conscious contact with your higher power. Um so so when I had got to treatment, I um they actually had a uh, church services that came up there mm-hmm. and um, I was kind of introduced to, to, to the God of my understanding at that point. And um, so now it's, it's pretty uh, routine for me to go, to go every Sunday. Like I said, I do pray every morning, every night and before each meal. And if I find necessary before any big moment that's about to happen, like, like for instance, this interview um, in this podcast, I had to kind of sit down and get in uh, contact with God, you know, because um, I tend to get up here in my head a lot, you know, and uh, I tend to ruin things sometimes if I don't talk to God, if I don't ask for His His uh, His permission, pretty much, and and to get rid of ego and to to let Him use me in whatever I'm about to do in life. Dude, that is, I love it. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. I do the same thing. You know, allow me. I, I am not the well, but I do enjoy being. The, I do enjoy being the pipe every once in a while. You know, I'm just a conduit. I'm just. I'm just a messenger. And when I get out of here, right, get out of my head and connect with my heart. You know, that's when all the magic happens. So I love it. Beautiful, beautiful, um, strong connect. Has it always been that way? I like you know, like prior to getting into recovery, did you have a, a, a relatively strong foundation spiritually, or or not? No, not at all. Okay. All right. I'll get into that more. Later. All right. Okay. Okay. That's fine. That's fine. That's good. I I I I love knowing that because so was I. Completely disconnected from God and spirituality and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Recovery was the was the vehicle that brought me 
you know, once again in direct contact. All right. So uh, next question is, how old were you the first time you drank? No, no, no. When is your clean time date? When's your anniversary? How much clean time do you have? Okay. My clean date is August 17, 2016. So I just celebrated two years last, no, actually two months ago now. Today's the first, so two months ago. August 17th. Awesome. Awesome. Love it. All right. And so how old were you briefly? How old were you the first time you drank or used drugs? And more importantly, how did they make you feel? Um, so it was between 12 and 13, mm-hmm. um, it was right before high school. And, um, you know, I had found that tequila bottle in grandma's cabinet and uh, I didn't like the way it tasted by any means. But um, it kind of just gave me that feeling of, uh, of numbness and just uh, made me feel happy, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, there was probably a little bit of peer pressure there because it was, uh, you know, I was with a group of buddies and, you know, we were young, dumb, and stupid. And we were just like, hey, what should I do, you know? <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. And, and you know, it's like uh, the numbness and the happiness and the disconnection, man, I, I remember. I love it. And 12, 13, that's about the age yeah. we start to dabble. All right. So, Ian, uh, you know how this works. It's time for me to turn this show over to you. It's time for you to share your story, battle against drugs and alcohol, the wreckage it caused in your life when you hit rock bottom, and then finally your journey into recovery up until today. So, Ian, take it away. Okay. Um, so, so for me, I, got, I was born um, with an addict mother. Um, my father was, was not present. Um, you know, so I, I had a stepfather came in at the age of three. And he was, um, you could say, a very abusive person in, in quite a few forms. Um, so I grew up with with my mom and my stepdad being addicts. You know, um, there was a lot of moving around. Um, there was a lot of, um, that's quite, I, like, there was a lot of uh, disconnect. You know, there was a lot of uh, feelings of not feeling loved and, and all those things, you know. And, um, you know, uh, there was one point where even we were even me, my brother, and my sister were given into foster care. And, um, you know, and at the age of, um, 14, you know, I had, um, it came to a point where my, my mom and my stepdad were, um, were, were smoking dope in front of me, you know? And, um, and so it was a, it was a pretty rough childhood, you know? Um, I didn't know that's kind of where I drew my resentments at. You know, I had a lot of feelings that uh, I didn't feel normal like other kids. You know, I was uh, I kind of had to wear like uh, I put on a lot of masks because of those things. You know, um, you know, like uh, there was a point where like uh, we were I had to walk around with my parents to recycle cans while they would just so they could get their next fix. You know, and, and as a result of all these things, like I was an addict before I was an addict, you know. And I, uh, you know, I had learned to steal at a young age because of my stepfather just teaching me these things, you know. And uh, I learned to suppress feelings because that's what my parents did, you know. And uh, so, and then I had moved to grandma's house. Grandma had taken custody of me, my brother, and my sister at, at about 13. And that was that first time that I had picked up alcohol, you know. And, um, but I was a very angry kid, you know, and I, and I never really... I had asked my grandma this question later, and I'll get into that later, but um, I was just a very angry kid. You know, I would try to pick fights or whatever, and um, because I wasn't, ultimately, I wasn't happy with myself, you know. And so 
So I ended up leaving leaving grandma's house at the age of 14. I moved into the little neighborhood uh, tree house, you know, with, with one of my buddies. And uh, You moved into a tree house? Yes. It wasn't like <laughs> up in a tree. <laughs> yes, it's a crazy story. So, uh, and I had started smoking weed at the time and getting into cocaine and nexusty and uh, And so uh, me and my buddy, his parents were actually – um, using drugs also so we both said you know what like this is what we're gonna do it was like a little studio so it wasn't up in the tree but it was at the bottom of a tree you know and All right. uh, we thought we were little uh little cool kids selling a whole bunch of weed out of this little tree house you know like we were the cool kids you know um but that's when that's when i got introduced to to the pills the oxycontin um and for a while there it got it got really bad you know and uh and then I actually had a my best friend, man. He, him, and his family adopted me, so to say. And um, in my life, kind of changed from there. I was able to graduate high school and do those things, and I kind of got that love that I've never felt before from a family, you know. And um, so, you know, fast forward, man. And and um, in 2012, that buddy that I moved in with, he uh, he had died from alcohol-induced car accident. And that's where I kind of lost it. You know, I really, um, I had been doing pills now for a while. And um, next thing you know, I'm jumping full-fledged into to heroin addiction. You know, and I, um, I, didn't, I didn't have no coping skills, you know. Like when something bad happened, I didn't know how to react. You know, so like for me, escaping reality was the insanity of my addiction. You know, like happy, sad, mad, glad. Like I just, I like to shove a needle in my eye. You know, and then that was the way I was kind of taught and raised, you know. So, so then after that, man, like I started with um, going to jail, went to a couple institutions. Um, but it was always to the point, like when I got dropped off in front of the rehab, I always left. You know, I never was willing to give it a chance or, or you know. Um, so I, I, I got to the point where I'm starting to rob houses and, and I'm doing all these stupid things, man. You know, and um, and I just didn't know how to. In the end, like as I as I've worked through some stuff lately, man, like I've learned that I just didn't love myself. All these things that I was doing back then was just a result of me not loving myself, you know. And um, so now we forward till about like it's about 2014, and and my mom my mom gets clean, right? And I decide to move in with my mom again. And uh, my mom had left my stepdad. Now my mom's a full-fledged alcoholic. And I, um, but I'm, I'm using. So now it comes to the point where it's like, okay, now me and my mom are using together. You know, me and my mom are sharing needles and, and we're doing all these things, man, and, and selling drugs together. And uh, it, it hurt my heart, you know? Like, I, I remember just... Uh, I don't know, like, I remember just doing these things, man, and I felt such a a feeling of, like, 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 I knew that was my rock bottom, but it wasn't, you know, and I, uh, I ended up going to jail again one more time, and I had gotten out of jail, and this was the longest clean time I'd actually had at that time. I had nine months. I stayed clean the whole time in jail, and I got out, and I decided to uh, move back in with my mom once again. So now... So now I'm trying to do these 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 twelve step meetings, you know, and um, I catch my mom getting high one more time, 
you know, and it, it's me and my mom had more of a friendship than we did a mother-son relationship. So now it's like we are, I'm telling my mom, okay, break bread, you know. I want, you know, I want to get high to it, you know. And so we had this sick uh, relationship, you know, where, where we just, that's that's where we, that's where she needs to relate with me. And that's how I knew I could relate with her, where we were getting high together, you know. So within 45 days of that relapse, I had overdosed twice and I ended up going to prison. And so I didn't stay clean in prison. Um, there was little moments, but I wasn't. I wasn't staying clean. And my clean date is actually the day before I got out of prison. And so, so I remember, I remember like, like even in prison, man, like I'm running up debt. You know, I got people wanting to get me because I'm running up debts. You know, I'm calling mom to bail me out. You know, once again, like, Hey, I got, I ran up a debt, I need some money, you know? And, and I could always guilt trip her into doing it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So, because I was, you know, a good manipulator. I could make my mom feel bad for the way she didn't step up as a mom, you know. And, and there's all the sick behaviors I had, you know. So so at, at the end of my prison term, man, like it was at a point where I was about to parole. And they asked me, uh, where was I uh, Where was I wanting to parole to? Well, I had burned every bridge, you know. No one wanted anything to do with me. And I know I couldn't go back with my mom. So parole had asked, well, would you be willing to go to a treatment center? And uh, my God did for me what I couldn't do for myself, you know? And, and like I said, that my clean day, day before I got out, and I said, you know what? Like, I, I think I should give this a try, you know? So so I had got out August 18th, 2016, and they, they drove me to the airport. And I remember sitting there at the airport, and I had a four-hour layover. And I was all the way up in Northern California, in Sacramento. And I remember just staring at the bar for those four hours, you know, and, and I wanted I wanted to use, but something told me not to. Like I was going to treatment, like it's time to uh, it's time to do something, you know. And I was uh, I was 24 when I had gotten out of prison. And I uh, I remember showing up to, to that treatment center, man, and it was a 90-day treatment center, and uh I started to learn about about this recovery stuff, you know. I actually gave it a shot, you know. Um, and then uh, there was a point, man, where my mom had started to come visit me, man, and it was uh, it was bad. Like there was a time my mom came to visit me, man. And I just the first time I'd seen her in two, I did two and a half years, so like, the first time I seen her, man, like uh, she did not look good by any means, you know. Um, and I just started crying, man, and I. Uh, I wanted to give her what I had gotten so far, you know, and, and it, it really, I really battled with that in treatment, you know? And so I, I remember doing it, man. And, and I finished treatment and uh, all I had was the clothes that I paroled with, man. And, I, and my little bit of gate money. And um, I remember doing whatever, whatever it took, you know, I rode a bicycle 23 miles down trip to go to work. I've got my first little job through a little temp agency you know, um, I'm taking the bus everywhere to go to meetings. I hit 110 meetings in the first 90 days. You know, I um, I wanted to give it a shot, you know. And, like, one thing I had to let go of is, like, this resentment I had towards Narcotics Anonymous. Because, like, growing up as a kid, like, my parents would go to Narcotics Anonymous. But yet on the way home, we were stopping at the dope man's house. So I never 
wanted to give narcotics anonymous a chance because I didn't believe they worked because they never worked for my parents. So, so by then, man, like, uh, um, I'm starting to starting to actually like do some things, you know, I'm, I'm saving up money. I'm able to buy myself a little hoopy car, you know, like, uh, my family's starting to come back, man. And then at, uh, at 11 months clean, man, uh, I get a phone call at six in the morning that my mom had died. Um, Oh, and I, uh, and like the, the, the struggle with it, man, is like my mom told me at, at my one year, she would come see me take a cake, you know? And I, uh, I don't know. It, it was, uh, what had happened is she was, um, she had nodded off behind the wheel and, and crashed, crashed into a car and she had, she had ultimately died, you know? So, and what, what the weird thing was, man, I was, I was working on this third step at that time. So I'm learning about turning my will and my life over to the care of God as I understand them. But yet I'm, I'm gaining the resentment now. Yep. Like why, um, yep. why does, why did you have to take my mom, you know? But, uh, I've learned, man, that, that my mom wasn't mine. Like she was God's ultimately. And I have to accept that. Like she was just on loan, you know? And, um, you know, I just wish I could have given my mom what I had got. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, so I, I keep pushing. You know, ultimately, like, I had a, a, a solid foundation of men and women that reached out to me. Um, you know, I learned about um, going to a meeting and sharing about it. You know, pain less. Uh, pain shared is pain lessened, you know. And, like, I remember crying, just crying, crying, crying meetings. You know, I couldn't even... Uh, I kind of went through a depression for a while too, you know, um, you know, and like I said, I got a little brother and a little sister, you know, and, uh, like we just went and visited their stepdad a couple months ago, man. And he's homeless in the desert. Um, still using, there's just, there's no rock bottom for him, you know? So like at the end of the day, what I always try to remember is my little brother and my little sister need me, you know? And that's, that's my why today of why I keep doing what I'm doing, you know? So like, like I had gone through that little depression stage, man. Like, uh, I did a lot of retail therapy, so to say, after my mom died, you know, yep. whatever other escape I was, mm-hmm. I was going to the casino, you know, I was doing these things, you know, I ran through my savings, mm-hmm. you know, doing shopping just to try to make myself feel better on the outside, you know, but when really, what was really going to change me was doing those steps. The steps of narcotics anonymous is what is what has worked for me, you know. Um, you know, so I continue pushing through those steps, man, and and ultimately, like that was a spiritual awakening for me, losing my mom. Like it, it's one of those like things that's just like um, what is it like a double-edged sword? I guess you could say. Yep. Um, the irony of it is like it's made me stronger in my recovery because of that. I can't change it. I'm powerless over it, you know, and I've had to really accept that. And, and it, it, there's still times where I still doubt God, you know, and I still doubt the reasons for things, you know, but I know at the end of the day, like he's brought me this far and everything I've gone through has made me the man I am today, you know? And, uh, so today, man, like, uh, like I've been able to make some amends to my family members, man. And, uh, and like I was the type of person that stole Christmas presents from my own family members, you know, um, or my little brother finding a whole bunch of drugs and a whole bunch of needles at the age of 13, you know, and, um, 
Like this is probably one of the most um, valuable things I've ever gotten is making those amends to people. And like in that in that process of making those amends, like my brother and sister both told me that that they look up to me, that I'm the person that they've always looked up to. And, uh, you know, that's the gift of recovery, you know, and, and I keep pushing because of that, you know, and I don't always know what I'm doing by any means, you know, like to me, like, I still believe like I'm just a hopeless drug addict. Like I, I still doubt myself in those senses, even after a little over two years, you know, and, um, and I think I don't belong in this. And I think I don't deserve it at times, you know, but ultimately, like, I know God has planned this all for me. And, um, like today, man, like, so I'm going back to school in January. Like I work in the treatment field. Um, and it's, it's a blessing to work in the treatment field. Like, like for me, like my mom, I feel like I'm living out my mom's dream. You know, like my mom, she was sick with the disease. But in the end, she always wanted to help people. She always wanted to help the next person. She would always give, even though she was an addict, she would always give the shirt off her back for the next person. You know, um, my mom had never done time in jail. Like, there wasn't much of a rock bottom for my mom. Like, she had lost those kids, but she just, she kept a job and um, and kept getting high, you know. And, and that was her, her story. But, um I just know that like I, I want to help people. Like this recovery thing is, is uh, one of the most amazing things in the world to me, you know. And, and the people that I've gained from it are even that much more um, amazing, you know. I, I I don't know. It's just it's sometimes it's almost hard to explain like how like uh, great this recovery thing is, you know. And and sometimes it's hard to even explain that to people, man. Like I got some sponsees right now that are just, um, they don't get it. And it's so hard because I want to like get, you want to give it to them, you know, like, and I, I, it's something I'm learning to struggle with, you know, and I'm learning to overcome is how to deal with that and deal with them. And, you know, and like, I, at the end of the day, I don't know nothing about recovery. Like I know, I know a little bit, but the day I tell myself that I know this and I got this is the day that I'll go out. You know, like I, I have to learn to stay in a sense of humility and know that like I'll never know about this. Like I'll know like my experience, my strength and my hope of everything that I've gone through. But the day I have to stay open-minded, open-minded, willing and honest. Those are the three key components of my life. You know, and, and those are the three things that have, um, principles that I've gained that have brought me this far, you know, and uh, I'm just, I'm grateful, you know, beyond any means. And it's like, like I was homeless at one point, man. Like I was, I was, I was sharing needles with people on the streets, you know, and living in these hotels and, and, and robbing from my own family and, and all these things, man, and, and I never thought in a million years like I would be at this point in my life today. Like, like, like that say that quote, like rock bottom was was my foundation, like that it was built from that, you know. And today, man, like I'm just grateful. Like I'm grateful to even be on this podcast right now. Like, like <laughs> I called I called Daniel last night. Like I was like I was kind of a nervous wreck. I'm like Daniel, like, hey, what am I supposed to like? Uh, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to have ready? Like, what do I need to do? You know, because I'll overthink and overanalyze like crazy. You know, <laughs> just, just do it, bro. Like, 
because Daniel's probably like um he actually moved up to Northern California, but uh that's probably one of the most solid dudes I've ever met in the club. Um and like like I remember for my twenty fifth birthday, man, like I've never been big on like birthday celebrations. Um like growing up I never had them and my twenty fifth birthday, like that guy came over and brought me a birthday cake. Like the only person to get me anything for my birthday. Like I didn't get nothing. Wow. And this guy came over just out of nowhere. And uh, I actually was at a meeting at that time and he texted me and says, Hey, I left something at your house. And I come home and there's a uh, a little cake for me, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know, that's just like I'm grateful for those little things today, you know, like for someone to step out of, of their way and do something for me, you know, is uh is an amazing feeling, you know. So that yeah, that's pretty that's pretty much about my my story up to this point. <sighs> man, that's that is Ian, that's a beautiful story, man. And it, it uh it's touching on on so many different levels, man. So many different levels. And I and I know that you've probably cried a lot of tears, my man. Just yeah. releasing and releasing and releasing and just allowing the third step, you know, allowing, you know, just turning it over to, to God, turning it over to your higher power. Because as we as we struggle and as we as we as we face these adversities, they are not easy. And you know, um, one one of my interviewees, he he uh, famous quote is "hurt people hurt people." And so you've got we, we we have no idea. Maybe you do. Maybe you have a little bit of an idea of what your mother's upbringing was like, what her childhood was like, what how her parents treated her, how her grandparents treated her parents, because there's a whole lineage of dysfunction that makes its way to you and when you are born we're all born these perfect little baby creatures we got a shot we got a shot but what happens is depending on what our external circumstances are they will determine what direction we go into yeah but the plus of all this is this i know this i have no regrets i look back at my life and I am a fucking Viking warrior today that can go through anything clean, you know? Um, and here's the thing. Like, I was listening to you. You were like, I got these sponsees, and they just don't get it, right? And you know, I got these sponsees, and I just want to shake them and go, don't you see, man? Don't you get it? Don't you see what's happening? The thing is, you can't because that's not part of their journey. Yeah. is to get it through me. They got to get it mm-hmm. through all their experiences. Because when I share my experience, strength, and hope, it's these experiences, these life experience of me taking a beating and then taking another beating and then taking another beating after that and then getting up and moving forward and getting up and moving forward and getting up and moving forward till I get to right here to where I can yeah. share my story and it comes from a place of so much truth and love and authenticity. You cannot help but connect with it. It's why I do this podcast, man. It's stories like yours that are just real and homegrown. And it's just, there's nothing more pure than someone who has just been through the meat grinder and gotten that spiritual awakening. Gotten that spiritual awakening and you just go, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I think this is it. Because I've been there. 
yeah. I have been there where you go, I think this is it. Like, I wasn't sure at first, but I think this is it. And then you just run with it. You know, where are you in the steps, by the way? If you're in NA, you must be working the step working guide. Where are you in the steps? Um, I'm on step 10 right now. Step so, 10. Yeah, I wanted yeah. to ask this question for a reason. All right. I want the listeners to listen to this. Step 10 in the NA step working guide, right? Yeah. That thing is a beast. I got like five notebooks. <laughs> Buddy, yeah, that ain't, it's no joke. No joke. I will. I have told this to people. I have experience in a lot of things. I have learned a lot of things in my life, but the foundation of all of it came from me working the the Narcotics Anonymous twelve steps in the twelve step working guide and just getting my ass handed to me. Yeah, it's the most introspective, most evasive, invasive. Uh, work. I've ever, it was like a four year degree. It was like it was like a four year degree. I feel like I gra- when I finished it. I felt like I, I, I was like I, I feel like I just graduated from something. Like I got a degree. It's a beast. Yeah. Tell me some of your experiences with it. It's like I said that third step was the third step took me the longest, mm-hmm. only because like I was in that process of, of grief. And, and, and that's a lifelong process, but I was in the depths of grief when my mom had died and I was working that third step, you know, but, um, I just like, like it asked me questions like so deep and internally that I don't even understand how someone could come up with it. Like when I'm, when I'm like, uh, writing, my sponsor makes me write the question and write the answer, you know? And I'm one of those people where like, I want to know why something works the way it works, you know? So what I do is I read that step out of the basic text. I read it out of the It Works, How, and Why. I also go into my Life Recovery Bible, and I read the step out of the Life Recovery Bible. So I really want to know, like, what am I supposed to learn from this step? If I just go into it blindly, like, I don't think I'm going to gain what I'm supposed to gain out of that step. You know, so, so uh, like, that fourth step, I, I, didn't, I, had to, I had to Google character defects. Like, I had to really, like... I had to like go like and, and I had I found I looked up each character defect and I ended up with like almost ninety something character defects and there's probably a lot more, you know. And that was just out of the hundred and twenty that I was on that that Google page, you know. But um, like uh, but just putting all those character defects on paper lets me know like like I'm giving it up. Like I can work work on um instead of being a liar, being honest, you know and. and and instead of being a cheater, being faithful, you know, and, and instead of have, being a coward, I could have some integrity today and I could, I could have some courage, you know, and, and doing all the opposites of all these things and, and gaining the spiritual principle for each step, you know, and each step contains so many spiritual principles of just acceptance and honesty. And courage is probably the most fundamental one because without the courage to want to step up to you and do it, you're not going to gain nothing else. You know, and, and that's the one thing that I've, uh, I'm able to be like, proud of myself for today. Like, like, cause the only, I've learned the only spiritual principle that is free is hope. You know, that's the only thing I can give someone else. The rest is gain through working the steps, you know, gaining integrity, courage, honesty, acceptance, love, you know, all those things. Like, that's all gain from me doing those 12 steps, you know, and, um, 
And, uh, you know, I just started working on that tent step again. I have, you know, I'll usually, uh, when the pain gets great enough, I'm one of those guys where the pain mm-hmm. is okay. Well, mm-hmm. okay, I'm feeling uncomfortable right now. I'm having anxiety. What am I doing wrong? Oh, I haven't picked up a step working guide in probably a month. You know, like, let's pick it up, you know, and uh, my sponsor will be like, yeah, how's that step coming along? You know, and, um, and, and I love that he does that, you know, because I, I become, uh, I'll get cocky at times. Like, I'm not going to sit here and lie like I don't, you know, um, but I'll get humbled real quick by, by my high power. You know, he'll put something in my life to just sprinkle a little bit of humility on me that like, you need to send me down me, but, you know. Well, working those steps in that order, the way that it's uh, outlined in the book is a, is, a, is a true test of humility, you know. Um, and I know if somebody's uh, two years clean and sober and, and just on step 10, it's telling me I'm going deep. I'm not there, you know. My sponsor did the same thing, Google character defects. I had to do the same thing. And we would go back. I would write out the question put my answer down, he'd show up with the red pen. And he'd be like, no, that's a lie. No, that's denial. No, that's bullshit. Okay, so you got these five to work on for the next time we meet, and this one you got to redo. And I remember, because I've had sponsees, both. I, I did it, once I finished, I started sponsoring guys same way, same way. And there was the ones that did not like the red pen, right? They showed up all proud. I got my step work. I'm all excited. They can't wait to hear all the amazing things I'm going to say about these, you know, these, these epiphanies they came up with. I'm like, oh, that's no, no, no. You're way off base here. Let's redo this one. Uh, This one. Nope. We got to go back. And some of them were so offended. Uh, They, they, they left. (laughs) (laughs) and the ones that just were like yeah all right and they'd come back redone work done those guys are sober today they got 10 years uh i think i think uh yeah they both they they, they've all got they've all got 10 years now over 10 years that foundation built on humility is the key so, you know, I, I don't even remember the last time I had an opportunity to talk about the NA 12 steps uh, and the step working guide in an interview. But it's so fresh. You're right in the middle of it, man. And I just remember how awesome it was because each step I finished, I grew. Yeah. It, it, I grew. I knew that I was changing. I knew that it was creating an impact in my life. And I wasn't worried about the time. I wasn't trying to rush it. And I would live through each each step I was on. Shit would happen to me that was that correlated to the step. Yeah. So, so it was just I knew that's what I needed to do was do it exactly the way my sponsor was laying it out for me. And this was a gift. Here's a man who is spending every week hour two hours with you. Probably usually about two hours. Mm-hmm. hour to two hours a week with me for free to go over every single one of my questions, take the time to, 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 to walk me through it, correct me, and then allow me to come back and redo. And this went over you know many, many years. 
right? So this isn't a race, man. This isn't a race. This is the foundation that your, not only your recovery is going to be built on, but your entire life's foundation will be built on these steps. Because from here, you'll learn every, like what you were just talking about, courage, determination, drive, tenacity, you know, uh, success. All of it comes from not being a quitter. Like getting through these steps and not backing down, especially after a fourth step or in the middle of a fourth step that's so painful and then getting through it. It's like, wow, man, like there's nothing, there's nothing I can't do. Um, any other, any other, I just, I just love this topic. (laughs) Got me all fun. I'm probably going to jump into the step work you guys after this now. Like it does. Like I, like I can always be better. Yeah. And that's how I'm going to get better. Yeah. Like, yeah. and it, it, like I, it's like, um, I try to look at it as like, like my mind's a computer and it just had a whole bunch of viruses. And like, I have to, I have to wipe that out, restart it, upload new software, virus protection, all that stuff. It's like the best knowledge I can use. And, and that's what the step does. Is that's my virus protection against the disease of addiction, you know? So that's the way I, I look at it, you know? Dude, I can't tell you how many times I've used, used that analogy. Yeah. I've said, what it is, is your brain is polluted. All right? There is all kinds. You've got malware in there. We need to wipe the hard drive completely, install new software. Yeah. We do that with the steps. Yeah. I've, I've used that a bunch. Of, it's so true. It's exactly what it, it's actually. You, you wipe all that crap that you've been holding on to for years. And it allows you to install new software, which is new coping skills for life. That's all this is. You know, another thing that you mentioned, too, was your brother and sister. You know, and how you, you couldn't live for yourself in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So you chose to live for them. Mm-hmm. And that is where I came to at the end of the road. At the end of the road, it was like, I don't care about me. I, I could, you know, I mean... I don't, I, I don't even care what happens any, anymore. And so to do the kind of work required in, in NA, for example, man, you got you to gotta, you gotta care. You got to want it. And I just, was, I just wasn't, and I wasn't there until my daughter was born. And then my daughter was born, and then all of a sudden I was living for her when I could not live for myself anymore. She gave me the jump start to get to six months. Six months, that's when it started. That's when all the bells started going off. Six months, it was like, poof, poof, poof. Spiritual awakening started like popping off because I was deep in the step work. Mm-hmm. And I was having all these spiritual awakenings and I was like, I think it's working. I think it's like, I'm different, man. I feel different and like I have hope. Yeah. I have hope. And it, and it was like, boom, I just, I just dove right in. So for the listeners, sometimes we can't, we can't do it for us. Sometimes we've, just, we've been beat down so hard that dying seems like the best alternative. So we just wanna, you just want to lay down and, and, and give up. And, and if you can, whatever it takes, and if you have someone in your life that you can live for until you can learn to live for yourself, it's like the program says... We'll learn to love you 
until you learn to love yourself. You know, we'll love you until you learn to love yourself. And that's the magic of, of, of being in recovery. Ian, man, you got an amazing story, brother. Thank you. Thank you. It is powerful, brother. It is powerful. You connected with, with HP, man. You delivered, and I appreciate that. I appreciate that. All right, so let's start closing up, man, and let's close up for the newcomers. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Five questions coming at you. Number one, for the newcomers, what was keeping you from getting clean or staying clean when you first got introduced to recovery? I want to say fear. Mm -hmm. I think fear was probably the the biggest one, fear of change. Mm -hmm. And then also just... uh, I didn't feel like I deserved it. And I think that's part of the fear of change, but I just didn't think like, like I thought I was supposed to die. Like that was my in mindset. And that's why every time I, I did heroin, like I was hoping it would take me out. Mm-hmm. But I always got brought back from an overdose. So <laughs> higher power. <laughs> the higher power for those of us that do not die out there. Because plenty of us do. More more die than live. That's for sure. But with the amount of drugs that we did and the amount of times that we could have died, my point is always the same. If you came out of this alive, God has a purpose for you. And it's in this realm. It's to carry this message. It's to carry a message of hope. That's why, you know, that's what you're here for. You're here to show other people that... No matter what happens, death, overdose, prison, loss, whatever, that there is always hope when you decide to surrender and connect with a higher power. That's the, that's the message here, man. That none of us, it's never too late for any of us if we choose to. So number two, at what point did you have your spiritual awakening, that aha moment in recovery where you accepted that you were powerless over drugs and alcohol, but for the first time had developed the hope that you could recover? I, I want to say it was in treatment, you know, um, because like those counselors and everyone really started to show me love. And I really started to learn about addiction. And, and I had accepted the fact that I, like, I've had, some, every time I tried to use it, never worked. Like the drugs weren't doing it for me no more. I kept getting locked up or, or put away or, or something would happen. And so I was at that point where I was like, like I have to at least try to accept it for this moment and see how it works for me. And, uh, and like they say, fake it till you make it almost. Yep. Like, mm-hmm. Kind of fake accept, accepted it. And then like, I didn't start the steps till after I got out of treatment and I found a sponsor. And at that point is when I really accepted it. And uh, I knew I, I can't, I can't drink. I can't use any mind off and drugs. It just, it doesn't work. Like, I always end up doing something bad and wrong. And um, the rewards of, of, of looking at the rewards of recovery, they outweigh any day in drug use. You know, and, and pretty much it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just getting to that point. I mean, we all know the value of, and I'll just re- reiterate again, because uh, share... And the share group and the share podcast and the share recovery network and the share recovery community and share, share, share. It's all based on one premise, right? To meet you where you're at in your recovery. That's it. So I'm never trying to shove anything down somebody's throat. 
It's just, I'm going to share my experience, strength, and hope. If you ask me how I did it, I'm going to tell you. But I'm not going to, I don't have an agenda for pushing my belief on anybody. There's a bunch of different ways now to recover. There's refuge recovery, celebrate recovery, smart recovery, AANA. You, man, there is so much recovery out there. That's, that's, we got to a point where it's impossible to say this is the only way to do it. No, it's bullshit. You got a bunch of different ways to do it. All I can tell you this is this. If you haven't tried the NA Stup Working Guide and you've tried everything else or whatever the case may be, it will change your life in ways that you couldn't even possibly. Um, it's so much work. It's so intense that if, you rig- if you're rigorously honest and you work that 12 steps in the NA um, Step Working Guide, it will change your life, right? And, and here I have someone who... I'm listening to Ian. He did it exactly the same way I did it. Exactly the same way I did it. This kid's aces. When he's done with this thing, which now you're at 10, it's, this is the downslope. Yeah. <laughs> All the hard work's done. Yeah. Four and nine are the beasts. Yeah. 10, 11, and 12, man, that's just the coast. Now we just give back. Prayer and meditation, yeah. daily basis, inventory, boom. That's, it's, we're coasting now. All the yeah. tough, all the hard work's done, ready to give it all back, right? But that foundation is solid. So anyway, if you're wondering how I did it, 12 steps, N.A., step working guide, so did Ian. There it is. All right. <laughs> I, feel like I feel like I'm soapboxing today. Fuck. All right. Do you have a favorite book that you would recommend to our newcomers that you read in early recovery? Um. Recovery. I don't think I've really picked up any other books besides any literature. Okay. Um, I picked I picked up the NA book in, in treatment and I read it, and um, I wanted to see if I was an addict. I wanted to see if I had all these things that were supposedly supposed to check out. And basic text. Out. <laughs> the basic text, right? Yeah, and pretty much that whole book is highlighted <laughs> multiple times. <laughs> 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 Dude, I had to stop highlighting. Yes. I realized that I was just coloring the book. Exactly. That's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. And that was the difference between AA and NA. I love AA. I'm a big AA guy. I love the people in AA. But the literature, I I would get stuck on the literature. And somebody handed me a basic text and I was like, oh, snap. Yeah. It's it's like there's me in here, and so that was one of those spiritual awakenings where, uh, dude, there was no going back. I heard that. Yeah. All right, number four. What is the best suggestion you have ever received? In the beginning, was to sit down and shut up. I don't. I didn't know anything, and uh, and because of that, like I remember my first meeting I had ever led, right. I didn't have, all I had was treatment recovery. And I had asked, got asked to lead a meeting. I had a little over 90 days. And uh, I had shared and there wasn't much message. There was a lot of mess. And um, a lady had, had raised her hand at the end of the meeting and called me out on it. And she had about 25 years, I believe. I'm, I'm friends with her now. But um, 
at that point, I was kind of like, who is this? Oh, yeah. Like, in the middle of the meeting, she called you out during the meeting. Yes. At, oh, at, the, when they, when at the end, when they say, are there any NA announcements? She said, oh, well, you know, you turn this into a whole uh, name, the treatment facility, and, and turn it into like an alumni meeting, and it wasn't. And, and she just called me on it. And uh, I was just kind of like, wow. But that was that breaking moment of when I was either going to sit there and, and play victim to what she was saying, or was I going to actually pick up that literature and gain some recovery to talk about something worth talking about? And that was that breaking moment. I said, you know what? I want to be a guy that has some recovery to talk about, some hope, a message, not the mess, you know? And um, and so now, like, I mean, until this day, I sit down and shut up when I don't feel like that, you know? Like, so after that, like, I sat down and shut it up for a while until I felt like, until I started to work some steps and I started to gain some stuff. And I was like, you know, now I have something to share, you know? Dude. The ego digs in in those moments. Ego digs in hard. Just like, what? This is some bullshit. (laughs) Ego digs in deep. I have been there. And I don't know about being called out. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I've almost been in a few fights. And so, (laughs) oh, for reals. For reals. It's like, I'll tell you, we're so delicate. And this is something to be mindful Especially, I got 15 years, man, and now I'm officially one of the old timers. So I'm super mindful of how delicate newcomers are, right? They just got to feel a part of. And it's one thing, right, to to go up and say after the meeting, hey, listen, man, you can tell me to go fuck off. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, let me just, you know, I'm just going to give you, can I just give you a little love? Can I give you a little piece of, you know, a suggestion? You know what I mean? You can do it with what you want. But I'm super careful with them because they're so delicate. We're so delicate in early recovery. That could have blown you right out, man. Yeah. That could have blown you right out. And I know you were thinking, fuck this. I don't have to put up with this shit. You know? Yeah. And, 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 you know, it's not about being right or wrong. It's about what is. And we're delicate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, here's the thing. I'm the same way. My uncle, I mean, my, my sponsor was same tough love with me. Listen, sit there, shut up, take the cotton out of your ears, stick it in your mouth. You're not sharing for 30 days. Yeah. I don't want to hear a word out of your mouth. Nobody wants to hear anything that comes out of your mouth. It's all lies. So just, I want you to sit there and listen. And I just remember going, motherfucker. Right? And, and, but guess what? I wasn't sitting there trying to come up with some amazing share, which I never had. I just thought I had some kind of amazing share. And I was just fresh off a relapse. Mm -hmm. And I would sit there and I would listen. And I was like, oh, man, I'm not waiting to talk. I'm I'm actually listening. I'm actually getting the message. So, you know, that's the message for those of you listening, for the newcomers listening, that we were able to, we were able to embrace the tough love. When they told us, sit there, shut up, and listen, we were ready for it. And, and, and as much as we wanted to kind of like fight back, we knew we were in the right place. But if somebody says something to you that challenges your ego, remember, it's not about the messenger. It's about the message. Just grab on to the message. The messenger's just another recovering addict. That's it. 
That was one of the best messages I got from my ex-wife. I can't. I was like, after a meeting, I was just like, will you believe the shit this guy said to me and this and this and that? And she's like, why are you so angry? He insulted me and this and that. She goes, isn't it just a room full of recovering addicts? Aren't you guys all just a bunch of addicts? And I just remember the penny dropped. And I went, yeah, this ain't a fucking road Scholar. This is just an... <laughs> it's just another addict. I mean, like I'm having all these unrealistic expectations before I even knew what unrealistic expectations were. And I just remember those God showed up for me 24 seven my first year. I would say something out of my mouth and somebody around me would check me. And the penny would drop and the penny would drop and I bang, bang. And I was like, dude, this is like, whoa, I had, there was no way for me to deny that God was working in my life. There was just, it was just, there was the coincidences stopped being coincidence before my one year was up. And I was convinced that there was a higher power in my life. So yes, for those of us that can, can, can handle it. Sit there, shut up, take the cotton out of your ears, stick it in your mouth. Listen, really listen. Because when you're waiting to talk, you miss the message. All right, number five. If you could give our newcomers only one suggestion, what would it be? Put the bat down and pick up the feather. Don't be so hard on yourself. Give yourself a chance. I love that one, man. I love that one. Whew. We... When I go up, when I, I do a lot of uh, H&I panels, hospitals and institutions, um, that's one of my commitments that I have. And um, But I always just try to tell those guys, you know, I go into facilities with 50 plus guys and I just tell them, you know, like, don't be so hard on yourself. Like, you deserve this, you know, because that's what I needed to be told. And a lot of the stuff I tell people is the stuff I feel like I, I want to tell myself all the time. Or I wanted to be told in the beginning, you know, and, Sometimes all I wanted to be told was I love you by someone. Plain and simple. I was never told it. So like I just try to give that to me. Dude, that's magnificent. Put the ass kicking machine away. It is no longer necessary. Um, and if you guys are paying attention here, Ian didn't do this by accident. I've here's what I've heard. I've heard H and I, right? Hospitals and institutions doing prison work. He's two years into the, tell, the, the Narcotics Anonymous Step Working Guide. Three meetings a week, sponsorship, service. It's not an accident. This is not, I showed up to a couple meetings a week and I got clean and sober and had a spiritual awakening. There's a guy who's done a lot of work. So if you want what he's got, you got to do what he's doing. You got to do what he's doing, man. I got a lot of respect for you, Ian. Thank you, man. A lot of love for you too, man. Beautiful story. <sighs> Thanks for joining us. Thank you. <laughs> All right, folks. We have now reached the end of our show. Thanks for joining us. And as we say here in Costa Rica, Pura Vida. Pura Vida. Thank you for joining us on the Share Recovery Podcast. To check out the show notes page on this interview or to thank our guests for sharing their story, go to www.thesharepodcast.com. While you're on the website, don't forget to sign up for our free newsletter to stay up to date on the latest news, podcasts, and interviews. 
Want to be one of our guests and share your story? Then go to our website and click on the Share Your Story button. We share our inspiring recovery stories every Tuesday. So subscribe to our show on iTunes or Stitcher Radio to get your free weekly download. We'll see you then. The opinions shared on this show reflect those of the individual speaker and not of any 12-step fellowship as a whole. And though we discuss 12-step recovery and the impact it had in our lives, we do not promote or endorse any 12-step anonymous program.